What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 91st draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchand. Matt, when you woke up this morning, did you think to yourself, today is the day? This is when we are going to talk about it. It's it's one of the big events we've been waiting for. It's finally here. The biggest the biggest event of 2021. Possibly the biggest event. Well, it was of, so big you know, the, that 2020. Had to cancel itself because it just couldn't take the sheer force of "Let There Be Carnage" of Woody Harrelson's wig. <laughs> or actually, this time it looks like he might it's have a just wig. Di- no, it's, it's a, a wig. wig. It's definitely a wig. Yeah, it's not as bad as the wig as the post-credit sequence from. Uh, someone went. No, we can't. I wish they <laughs> can't did. Have that I wish fucking they cabbage patch <laughs> kid carrot top like fucking haircut. On- yeah, carrot top haircut on him. Yeah, uh, we'll be talking about the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer uh, as well as uh, MCU Phase Four. Uh, what Eric and I have been Those watching. Those Pam and Tommy um, photos, uh, maybe a little bit of David Cronenberg coming yeah. back after seven years. The Critics' Choice Association, uh, lots of stuff that uh, has happened in the last couple weeks. Uh, because this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, every other week, Eric and I get together, you know, talk about uh, life, talk about the entertainment industry, talk about trailers, talk about news. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, if you uh, listen... A lot. I don't know why you do, but thank you. <laughs> um, uh, that one I goes out to Alex well. Reno. Uh, Eric, how are you? Uh, how are uh, you I'm doing? Okay. Otherwise? You know, I mean, it's uh, we're we're into May now, and uh, the, the weather is fluctuating between sort of you know cold but sunny and out classic, classic Canadian, Canadian weather, weather, but it also really messes with you know allergies and things like that. So. Um, oh, totally, my my yeah. body is very confused with the transition from uh, spring into you know eventual summer. So we'll, we'll you know back to winter, yeah, exactly. back to spring, into summer. How about back yourself? To yeah, yeah. Doing all right, man. Um, you know, uh, had a nice weekend. Uh, I love doing this on a Monday morning with you. Um, it was a busy weekend. Uh, I got vaccinated, um, which is pretty dope. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Everyone, if you can, please, uh, go get your shot. Um, I know it's been a little wonky in Ontario with the rollout, but, um, yeah, man, it was, it was wild. I don't even think I've talked to you about it, um, at all, at all. So like Nevis and I on Friday, um, were randomly, you know, she was finishing up work. I was, I cooked dinner. Um, and then she looked on the, Ontario like vaccine website and vaccine hunters on Twitter. Shout out to that crew. They're doing more for um, Ontarians Um, than the uh, Ford government. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Not to get political and specifically in, uh, you know, provincial. No, I mean, we are a little bit when we're going to be talking about this. Cause I think this is, for me, it's the first step of, you know, obviously it's going to save lives, get vaccinated. uh, Like everyone should, uh, if we're in the context of this show, uh, it's one step closer to me being able and to see Venom the movies again carnage. and like, uh, yeah, in theaters, like it is meant to be seen opening night of TIFF. Um, and then, so anyways, we're looking on that and then Nevis is like, Hey, did you see that? Um, they opened up, uh, 
Moderna and Pfizer vaccines to uh, 18 plus um, at pharmacies. And we, I was like, oh, is it just like hotspots? Like you have to live in a hotspot. She's like, well, they're in hotspots, like the pharmacies that they've given them to, but they're open to anyone 18 and over. You don't have to live in that hotspot. Um, so I was like, are you, are you, sh- are you sure? And then we started doing more research and we're like, no, it seems like, you know, if you're 18 plus and you go to one of these pharmacies, you can get either Pfizer or Moderna, depending on, um, what pharmacies have what. So we kind of looked through and looked at the classic, like Costco, uh, Rexall, Shoppers Drug Mart, and like the big chains. And no one was really taking reservations. Cause I think classic Ontario government, again, not telling anyone about any of this. So all the pharmacies are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then they, and then they look and they're like, Oh, I guess this is happening. We're not going to take reservations until like Monday, like today. Um, anyway, so I'm going through and I find this random ass pharmacy in Pickering that has it called super seven pharmacy and like walk-in clinic. And then, so I go to their website and they're like, uh, yeah, we're doing walk-ins for the Moderna vaccine for 18 plus. You don't have to live like, in the, in a hotspot area code, it's just if you live, if you have a health card, you can get one and you're over 18. So we're like, holy shit. So they were doing walk-ins on Friday. And she's like, if you get here now, uh, we're doing them until 9 p.m. We have a hundred of them. So Nevis and I are like, fuck, should we go? And then uh, I'm like, yeah. So we just like, literally, I didn't like, I was, I have like ripped track pants on and like, I looked like a hobo. And I'm just like, um... I, let's go. And then, so we just jumped in the car, drove to Pickering to this random pharmacy. Um, and there was a lineup about, you know, a, a decent sized lineup, but you could see the cars piling into the, this parking lot, like as we were getting there. And we got there at the perfect time where we got in line. And then there was like a giant line behind us. Like we got there with like, not too many people in front of us, but then right as we got there around like six forty-five or no, seven forty-five. um, uh, a line, a huge lineup started behind us. And then, uh, the woman was super nice. She came out. She's like, we have a hundred of them. Um, I think you guys are all going to be good. We're supposed to close at nine, but we'll stay open until we like give out the hundred shots because with Moderna, cause it has to be held like in like minus 20 degrees temperature. Like once you open it, you like kind of have to finish the vial or you right. throw it away. So they're like, we're going to finish all of these. So we waited for two hours um, outside of this pharmacy in this line and um, ended up getting a vaccine. So um, super happy about that. And um, I know it's supposedly going to open up, you know, soon uh, when it comes to like booking through the Ontario, like supposed to be by the end of the week. So the the week that we're recording is the week of uh, May 10th. And so by the end of the week, by the, 18th, By the 18th, yeah, but but it's said, also supposed right? to get. There's supposed yeah. to be more uh, or less restrictions. So, like my brother Kyle um, is getting his shot shortly because he kind of qualifies because of asthma, um, and also because he's yeah. he's traveling. So he'll be getting his uh, shortly as well. Uh, but that's good though, man. I mean, like yeah, that's and- how was. I mean, I know that like you you can't really do much with standing in line for two hours to make the time go by but how was that overall it was fine man like i I was glad to to wait right like it was one of those things like luckily the weather wasn't too bad like we were cold but like um 
it, it's, you know, it, it felt like weirdly lining up at TIFF. Like, you know, when you line up for a movie and you're kind of spread out, but you're sitting and you kind of, you know, talk to the people in line. We're still six feet apart and everyone's wearing masks and everything. But it was like the first time in a long time I was out that late for one. Like, I haven't left the house past you know, nine o'clock in like a year. <laughs> um, and, um, and around that many people, even though it was outside and like, but there was a hundred people lined up at this place. Right. So, um, that felt weird. Um, but everything, like the people there were super kind. Uh, the woman who was like running the line, it felt just like we kept laughing Nevis and I, cause it felt like Tiff. She could walk up and down the line. She had a phone in her hand because people kept calling her. She kept like asking us how we were doing. If we wanted to go inside, use the washroom and everyone was super, super kind. Um, and then once you got inside, like, yeah, you fill out your form. It went pretty quickly. Uh, the shot itself, like I haven't gotten a, a vaccine in a little while, but, um, I think the last time I got a shot was a tetanus shot when my cat attacked me, um, back, like, you know, my ex-girlfriend brought over a kitten ten, over it was almost 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Or just over. 10. Oh God. Not that long, like eight years ago, maybe. Because Dexter, we just got him, and it was Dexter who who. Well, I remember. I remember when you had like that kind of makeshift cast. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, My ex girlfriend Ashley brought her kitten over, and Dexter freaked the fuck out. And then, um, so I mean, that's over seven years ago, right? Because Nevis and I have been seven, eight years. So, anyways, that was fine. Um, And then the aftermath, like my arm was really sore, and I did like the first night not to scare anyone very glad that i i got it but like i felt like crap the next day and usually after the first shot not many people feel anything although there are side effects that some people feel but nevis both nevis and i um i was very restless like when i was sleeping um i woke up really really hot and with a headache and like a sore achy body um so i woke up at like 3:34 in the morning just like boiling hot and restless and then i couldn't sleep so i was up from like 3 30 a.m um for most of like sun or saturday like so i was running on really little sleep and then nevis and i just both felt like crap on uh on saturday but i've talked to lots of other people who didn't feel anything like didn't have any side effects my parents didn't although they had they got pfizer we had moderna but like still worth it like i felt like crap for one day and then like my arm is pretty normal again like a little soreness but like the day after the arm was really sore and then i had very like yeah one day of not feeling great i've heard after your second shot you might feel really shitty for a day or two but like that's also just normal right so um so yeah i'm I'm super super happy that it you know uh light at the end of the tunnel i guess obviously we still have a lot of work to do still a lot of you know 2000 plus cases in ontario i think today and but i'm hoping that you know the more vaccines that come in, the more people get vaccinated, the shorter the wait between the first and second doses. Cause here in Ontario, uh, they were booking them four months apart instead of the 21 days. So I'm hoping once we start getting an influx of vaccines that they shorten that window. Um, so yeah, I encourage everyone if you can, I'm sure a lot of people in the U S uh, it seems like everyone I've seen a lot of people start getting their second shots, um, which is great, which is why movie theaters are opening there and things like that. So um, 
but here there seems like light i've been more optimistic than usual when it comes to everything right like obviously it's still going to be probably the majority of this rest of the year being kind of wonky yeah, there's still something but, to look um, forward to yeah. there 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 is light at the end of the yeah. tunnel there is let there be carnage to look forward to you know and then also <laughs> on top of that i mean we we just started up um and and when i mean by we i mean mostly you started up uh, a letterbox account for untitled movie podcast which i know you've been putting a lot of work in, yeah. in the last couple of days so if people want to check that out it's on letterbox now yeah, it's a Letterbox HQ. Um, so just search for Untitled Movie Podcast or Untitled Podcast. One word is our handle. Um, yeah, so that'll be the hub for like everything, all of our shows, right? Like we'll put our reviews up there. We'll post schedules for the week on Sunday nights. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to post um, different lists that Eric and I put together, like our most anticipated, our best of the year. Maybe we'll do rankings for different franchises and different things like that. Um, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. So what we're going to be doing is like posting our, you know, five-star reviews, um, not just five-star, I mean, one to five-star reviews, as well as the link to the newest reviews, the links to the newest drafts. Um, we'll be, you know, just engaging in any way possible on uh letterbox. We think it's a really good platform for us and, um, just like a hub for whatever you need. I mean, the webs, our website's great. You can go find the podcast on individual podcast services, but we'll be doing the, the P links there. So it'll just automatically send you to your podcast service of choice on your phone. If you're on there. Um, yeah. And I just really like the layout of this HQ thing. And I think it's just a great hub for, you know, stuff and we can do some more writing on there really because i think the story function is really great like if we ever feel inclined to write anything <laughs> when do we feel um, inclined? i don't know how often <laughs> yeah uh i don't know how often we will do that but um we'll see um uh i'm gonna look up what else i got up there right now i'm opening it up but yeah man i'm, I'm psyched about this hq thing i think it's like really really cool so it's a new thing that letterbox just introduced and um you can subscribe right from there we're going to put up all our reviews like i said and we're going to be pretty active on their links to all of our social channels and i think just like i got this new computer as well which is why i think what sparked um me to do all of this stuff because it's a lot better than my 10 year old like macbook that i was using that was like very clunky to do anything it's not overheating and, like, we and the fan is not the, warning you the, yeah the fan would like like i'm do i'm podcasting right now as well as on multiple websites and i got a new just like m1 mac and um it's very snappy the fan it's quiet like nothing is happening right now it's, it's like wonderful. you're wearing nothing have, at all uh, nothing um, at all yeah so I'm trying to work on like our social stuff lately too, which is you'll see different new headers, which has a little bit of information on, you know, what the difference between this show is and untitled movie reviews. Please go subscribe to that new reviews out right now of many different things like Mitchell's versus the machines uh, without remorse, mortal Kombat, things heard and seen stowaway chaos walking, love and monsters. Um, and then, yeah, I put up a schedule of what we're going to get this week. So, or, and I'll continue to do that as well. Uh, I want to get our, um, I don't think this is spoiling anything, but I want to start doing video podcasts as well and just have that option for people because I feel like YouTube is a platform we haven't utilized at all. And 
Uh, I just think that we could be doing a little bit more video content now that I have a better computer to um, do that stuff as well. So we'll probably end up putting the podcast and the reviews up on YouTube and then maybe doing um, some other video content and then get into, you know, watch alongs on Twitch, which I, Eric and I both really enjoyed doing the uh, kind of funny watch along for blood sport. <laughs> um, so uh, Eric and I might want to do some stuff on Twitch as well for um, right now. It's, it's just Amazon prime stuff because Amazon owns Twitch. So you can co-stream and, and watch along with Amazon prime stuff. And then we might do uh, some commentaries and different things for an exclusive podcast um, for um, Apple podcasts and things like that. So we're playing with a lot of stuff lately. And because I have, you know, this extra time and this new computer, I'm trying to like just do different things. And we never want, we're never going to like, you know, keep anything behind a paywall that you wouldn't already get. So reviews, podcasts and conversations when it returns will all still be there we might just do a once a month like a commentary or if somebody or wants something a filmography that's, that's show custom like if somebody Specific, reaches out to us and says, yeah. hey you know i want eric to suffer and watch you know the first three saw movies and you know matt and eric will do a yeah. uh, in conversation for them specifically yeah then, yes i will i will do Stuff it if like you're that. paying for it so yeah, so we're probably and it's just going to be one of those things where like, hey, if you want to support us, throw a couple dollars well, we don't our way. It if not, so- totally, totally understand that we are like, oh, we don't, um, we don't necessarily go. Oh, you have to pay for it. It's just if you want to. Uh, we'd appreciate it uh as well as uh yeah the critics choice association too i don't know if i've talked about it on a like actual show other than maybe offhand and we've like talked about it in, in reviews but, with wrath um, of man uh which is another yeah. review you can go and check out yeah. right now right um, right but right. yeah this is on the regular um, show forgot. so we should talk about it again matt you're now a critics choice association member one, one of, of us one of us <laughs> Um, yeah, man. So, um, you, uh, thank you. You encouraged me to, uh, you know, throw my, uh, name in for possibly joining, uh, the critics choice association. You've obviously been a member for uh, quite a few years now, five plus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Six, seven. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's awesome. Thank you to everyone there who, um, you know, uh, accepted me. Um, and I'm excited to kind of vote in an, uh, you know, an award show with you. I think it's really exciting. And, um, you know, I think it's just, uh, it, it's, I think bring some legitimacy to both of us on this show. We're both in that association now. And, um, not that we weren't, legit at Matt, all you're before, too legit you know, to quit uh, don't, but, don't ever give up on yourself but now too you legit. can finally too vote to quit. for venom let there be carnage for best picture <laughs> oh yeah will most of my votes just be thrown oh no we'll see um but yeah i'm excited dude so you know it's um it's super it's super very awesome. well so, earned um, and uh, yeah i'm just excited to thank I you mean, like we know some members that are from sort of the canadian contingent but um it's just nice to have somebody yeah. that like i can actually have conversations with and, and not feel so alone so it's just you know wonderful to <laughs> no you know, oh, no, I know, I know, but it's, too. yeah, like, but me and you yeah. are attached to the hips. So like it, um, it definitely is awesome. We're that like we'll Vin Diesel to, and John uh, Cena. Kind of, 
yeah sure sure brothers that look nothing alike but um yeah man so uh i'm excited to go through that with you and uh, both voting members which is really really cool so i think that's like all the updates you know vaccinated uh uh critics choice um letterboxd account new social stuff and also with the letterboxd account i mean i think you probably um, already mentioned it but what i really love about it is that the other social media links are there as well. So Twitter, Facebook, yeah. even YouTube, uh, which the the account is there. I mean, there's nothing yeah. up right now, but it, it's all under one sort yeah. of roof. So if you're looking, or even just for our yeah. single accounts, if you're looking for those, they're all there. Yeah, exactly. So um, you, uh, yeah, you can click on. You know, if you go to team, you'll have Eric and I there for our individual letterbox accounts, which then have our Twitters and things like that. And then at the top, um, you have our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, and our YouTube and the website all there. So like it really is going to be the perfect, I think, hub. Like if you need to send anyone anywhere, and especially the people who would be interested in us or this podcast. Which or, we're surprised anybody is stuff like that. <laughs> um yeah. Um letterboxed, I mean, that is is you know, the place for, for movie fans. Right. So if you're not on there, what are you doing? Um, and even if you don't log everything, I really highly suggest you do like, it's, it's such a fun thing. If you really love movies too, it took me way too long to get into it. Eric, uh, talked about letterbox. So that was why I got on. To yeah. It. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, it's opened up in a way for, you know, something like this because again like like you were saying it makes total sense for us to kind of you know really invest in something like this because it, it, it's you know thematically sound to what we're talking about but also just it seems like right. you know if, if you really love film that's the place to go and and it's sort of a nice recommendation exactly on both ends you know so everything we do will just be on here and it'll be for the people who really care, right? So shout out to all, you know, 140 people who's already followed in the in the last You're all beautiful, you know, but days. I don't know so, why you're um, doing it. <laughs> <laughs> self-deprecating, you know, cuz this is a podcast. Um Matt, anyway. you're giving me big uh, uh, Eric Adam Copeland vibes right now with uh, the way your hair is, the way like you're yeah. kind of like positioned with like I got a little yeah, little pony. I got a little pony, um, but yeah, my hair is ridiculous. Gotta get on that dude. money I plane. Need a haircut so bad, but like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna keep growing it and see how awful it looks. But um, I have to put it in a ponytail now, or it just like falls into my face, and I hate it. Um, but anyways, uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, Eric, uh, what have you been watching? Uh, lately, well, dude? the most important thing, Venom, Let There Be Carnage trailer. We should – I want to get right into to. that. Let's we just have to. I Like literally, <laughs> yeah. you know, this morning, you know, you wake up, you have your cup of coffee. You think, you know, like the world is a strange place right now because of the pandemic. You know, you're, you're hoping that loved ones are staying safe and that, you know, they're getting their vaccination when they can. But it's not a time to jump into a No, it's not. Tank, but will sure. we will we be debating, is it symbiote or symbiote again? Who knows? This world is crazy and it brings back Tom Hardy as the titular Eddie Brock and Venom. And this time, as promised at the end in the post credit stinger for Venom, Woody Harrelson as carnage and 
let me tell you, this trailer is making me appreciate the Morbius trailer. <laughs> and that is saying something, especially yeah. when you have people like, I mean, Matthew Lipatique did shoot Venom, but when you have Robert Richardson as the cinematographer on this and, you know, Andy Serkis coming in to shoot as the director who's had quite a bit of, of, of time behind the scenes and working in post visual effects, you think, okay, well, maybe this is going to be, you know, a step up. Well, judging a book by its cover, I would say no. <laughs> God. Yeah, I, I, it looks pretty bad, right? Or it looks like exactly like yeah. the first movie. <laughs> um, I, I just, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't expecting much, but this, what a weirdly paced and just put together trailer that doesn't do much to, you know, excite or interest like carnage sure looks like red venom great (laughs) which is kind of what carnage is a little skinnier it's not as beefy as as venom but um and this this sucks dude because like i obviously huge spider-man fan when i was a kid fucking loved venom man the 90s were you were a big fan of hank azaria voicing venom on the 90s show absolutely and Maximum Carnage for both the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Great video game. Um, and just Venom and Carnage were like so cool when we were kids. And like they're to me, Venom was always my favorite uh, Spider-Man villain. Um, just because, again, perfect time. He was introduced in the 90s and things like that, too. So um, that first movie, uh I guess we're going to, we have to go to New York. It's the only way to see it. Draft house, right? You know, uh, it's Um, the only way, but it not a good movie. Um, you can kind of, you know, laugh at some of Tom Hardy's, you know, uh, ridiculousness as, you know, Eddie Brock and, and and Venom. Um, and I rewatched it and like, with Nevis when we were doing our Spider-Man watch, cause she hadn't seen any of them other than the Tom Holland ones. So we watched all the Raimi movies, the Garfield movies. And, Ooh. So uh, she got both and Venom. Uh, Topher Grace um, and Tom Hardy's Venoms. Ooh. Oh yeah. 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 She did. Um, and Venom for the first bit, or there are some things in there where I'm like, all right, I can, I can fuck with this. Like there is something here that's kind of interesting, but then the movie just kind of goes off and the whole last act is just uh, it, totally generic and what boring. a waste of Riz like, Ahmed too. I, I do. Yeah. And so, I mean, there is some stuff in there where I'm like, oh, that either the action sequences or the Eddie and, and Venom kind of thing. Actually, like I like Venom's voice. Although or he, how sounds he sounds like Schwarzenegger like a little of, bit. Like he's doing like a, like he's mimicking Schwarzenegger in the new trailer. Yeah. And you can see that they're embracing, you know, okay, Tom Hardy was zany in the first one. Let's just go all out on that. And, um, and that kind of, you know, split personality kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it doesn't really show you all that much. If anything, if you just showed me this and said these were deleted scenes from the first movie, I'd be like, all right, yeah, that's kind of what they look like. And I don't really know what the plot is other than it looks like, you know, uh, Cletus Cassidy's mad at Eddie Brock or something. Maybe Uh, Maybe he an investigative journalism piece is the thing that sent Cassidy. Maybe he did like a murder podcast on him or something. Who the fuck knows? Um, a true crime podcast on him, but like he's really pissed, and then yeah, he becomes Carnage somehow, and then which really like even the the you know the what were they even called like the villains in the last one like the uh, other Venoms. <laughs> 
I don't know. Um, those like, again, you're just, it, it becomes the same thing where carnage was also like, you know, the classic superhero thing where it's like fighting themselves yeah. again. Right. And like, um, and carnage is also just know, a man. specific, like I always associate carnage with being like the R rated character, you know, and, and, and sort of like the spider verse because of it, him being a serial killer and like any of the offshoot comics that were just solo with him in the nineties or early two thousands, very were dark, super yeah. dark and extremely violent. And so how do you kind of, didn't they confirm that this I, is, I think so, but you no? might want to double check that just in case, but I still don't think they could get away with some of like the graphic violence that's depicted in the comic books that, you know, like you think of when you, when, if you have an affinity for carnage, um, so yeah, and 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 again, Naomi Harris is in the trailer briefly, um, and and Michelle Williams. Uh, neither uh, female lead have lines in the trailer, uh, which is you know, of course, fitting for for this kind of thing. And yeah, I would say like the most interesting stuff of that first movie, it's a terrible film, is Tom Hardy kind of just amusing himself in this weird like performance artist kind of bubble of him jumping into you know a lobster tank and him you know playing with the voice and and voices of both eddie brock and venom and things like that yeah and and that's kind of what set that movie apart it's not very good but at least that's what makes it kind of uh memorable in in some way where now like this as you're saying this looks exactly the same like this could have been directed by ruben flesher you know um still like it doesn't really look like not to say that andy circus as a director really has like a distinct signature style but i was just hoping that there would be something a little bit different in here in the trailer to be like oh okay like this actually feels like a an interesting one-off in the way that almost iron man 3 did where it's like okay now like this is truly something different um and you have a, a a chance to do that and and also just with the idea that you have these spider-man characters like morbius and you know with potentially madam web and craven coming along and and you know having filmmakers being attached to those you're thinking okay well maybe there is a possibility that you can extend the spider-verse in in an interesting way but with this i'm just kind of like oh this is more reason for you know them to be working alongside marvel studios and not going out on their own yeah um i really like the sony stuff like on one end you go okay maybe it's good that marvel you know i actually i'd prefer if marvel just had all of their characters like if if sony just sold but the they're not because they're making so much and, money and, and, sony is um, making so much money oh, off totally. of marvel and disney but like what is that contract what is the contract like is it just like i know it was like you have to make a spider-man movie every x amount of years and the rights just never expire <laughs> or like like i just don't understand how that that or even vice works. versa and i know marvel with the deal that, that that sony has yeah with Marvel studios. I mean, there was the announcement, uh, not too long ago that, uh, Disney plus will be streaming at least in the U S I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be the same here, but possibly that, you know, the Spider-Man movies are going to be available on Disney plus. So, yeah. Which then gives me hope that their collaboration will continue for a while. Right. Because they have an investment now where library titles will eventually be on, disney plus even though it might be you know one two years down the line that still shows like okay well we can continue to work together so that deal is more 
you know, fruitful because, you know, Spider-Man can kind of live in both places, which is what they're, they're trying to, you know, uh, uh, like best of both worlds kind of thing of like, we can do our own thing, but then still have this collaboration thing where it's part of the MCU. And like, uh, our uh, shout out to Ben Shane, he messaged me and, and was like, so why is the daily bugle logo in venom? the new trailer, the exact same as the Raimi daily bugle logo. And I'm like, the bugle logo kind of looks the same in everything, but like we saw the same thing in Morbius where the Raimi Spider-Man was on the, yeah. the wall, right. Of uh, the graffiti. But then you see Michael Keaton's vulture or, or we assume is Adrian Toomes, <laughs> it's um, just Michael Keaton in the end of, uh, yeah. In the end of the Morbius trailer. So I'm like wondering now that these movies are coming out, no, this is coming out before Spider-Man. But you also have no to think home. So like that the, the timelines both in the the Marvel multiverse and in real life have shifted because obviously yeah. this was supposed to come out what last year or or yeah, and, and right. so like everything has changed. Like even with the more with, with Morbius now being moved to 2022 to so January. I, I wonder yeah. continuity-wise if that's going to change because again, Sony and Marvel aren't always on the same page with sort of laying out everything sort of being released. And we even saw that a little bit with um, you know, uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where you know the Julie Louis Dreyfus character in in that series was supposed to be set up in black widow. So, you know, times have kind of thrown yeah, things off a little bit. I could bit. see. Cause you know that there were those rumors that they wanted a Tom Holland, uh, cameo in the post credit scenes of the first venom. Um, and then I could see that happening in this one. Cause you even get the tease in the trailer of him squishing the spider on the desk. Right. Um, I mean, very <laughs> in your face, so subtle. Um, but I could see, I could see a Tom Holland cameo happening and then in no way home. What I think now, I think we are going to get the Andrew Garfield. There was that interview for mainstream, like the worst acting, the worst acting he's ever done by saying, I don't know anything about that. Um, And then uh, Tobey Maguire also being in um, no way home. I could see there being Tom Holland meeting himself in the sony spider-verse so emo spider-man again tom holland no it'll be tom holland spider-man but it'll be a different version of tom holland spider-man that is in the sony spider-verse and then that's how we will exist with having mcu tom holland and sony verse tom holland spider-man and i think that's what's going to happen man because like when they talk about like it being like one of the most ambitious and uh you know i mean it's all you know bs because it's coming from the you know tom holland who's the star of the movie of course he's gonna play the movie this way but like um oh good lord um and the lowest rating i think we've given when i'm doing these averages um it was that and one other movie we saw at TIFF that we both hated. The Giant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That? Oof. Yeah, we, we both gave it a real rough review. Um, anyway, so I, I do think that we're going to weirdly – you'll see him team up with other Spider-Mans, but I think one of the people he might team up with is another right. version of himself. Well, that's why he's got to be um, emo because that so- would also be a reference to you know the, the Raimi ones, but you could have emo Tom Holland Spider-Man. Yeah. So I think it might be a weird universe where it's like a Tom Holland Spider-Man, but then the villains are like a mismatch of like, 
you know, you'll have Venom and Morbius, but then maybe that's where, uh, who the fuck knows, man. But like, it becomes very, luckily we're all kind of acclimated to the multiverse kind of thing. Well, at least we, thing. like fans uh, are, but even, I, could, I could still see like a general audience that that casual, know yeah. the Spider-Man movies being thrown off by it. Because you have to, again, consider that, you know, we see this and 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 i mean you've watched these movies over and over again you know you live and breathe them sure, so yeah. you know it really really well but the casual moviegoer that's looking to see a spider-man film might be taken by surprise by this and might be confused by it in the same way that you know with the michael keaton batman coming back into the dceu in, in the, the flash, flash but yeah. then also the robert pattinson one being separate from you know, the DCEU stuff, or even with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, like, you know, all of that might be a little bit confusing. Or maybe people just don't well, care, that's true though. Too. That's the thing. Like, we are in this bubble. We're in this bubble where we're overanalyzing it and thinking about it and going, oh, Michael Keaton's Batman's back, where I think maybe most people watch and they're like, oh, it's Michael Keaton as Batman. I remember when he did that. And they're like, oh, so that's this. And like, they don't even think twice about it, maybe. And like, it's not even th- that they'll be confused. I actually, maybe you will be confused. I could see you going into like something and being Especially like, Especially when Michael Keaton's what? also what? in the Marvel like, movies as well, where it's like. And then you got Marvel and DC, and there's, you got to think that there are some people who don't even know that those aren't like in the same. I think now we've, you know, again, people who do care about the MCU and and things like that kind of know what characters are what. But like, I think someone like, you know, my mom's even pretty good. But like, again, like you said, a casual moviegoer might not realize that, you know, these are two separate companies and there's not going to be really crossover. Yeah, superhero movies are superhero movie, right? Um, Yeah. And I know there was a Marvel versus DC comic series, but I don't, that's getting, that's galaxy brain. I don't want to even think (laughs) about that. (laughs) Like, um, that's too far. You know, that they've jumped the shark at that point and neither company has any ideas left. And although there are rumors that, um, Ed Boon, the creator of Mortal Kombat, um, and his nether realm studios is doing a marvel fighting game much like they did a dc fighting game they did mortal kombat versus dc and then they did injustice which is just a dc fighting game um with a really great story mode actually where superman becomes evil and takes over the world and things like that um and there's rumors that he's doing a marvel fighting game now so the maker of mortal kombat doing a marvel fighting game and I, I just wonder if we're getting to a point where like, could you see a Marvel versus DC fighting game? And that would just make people's heads explode. And um, I think could be, cause you're getting like, I showed you when you came over um, when, you know, when things were okay, I showed you mortal Kombat that and had Rambo. like Terminator and RoboCop and Rambo. And like, so they've done a lot of movie crossover stuff too, where I'm like, you, and even jokers in that game as well. And, and, and things like that. So, um, I hope they do a Marvel fighting game, but, um, it could be see like, or maybe it'll just stay within Marvel, but you'll have different skins like from, you know, different universes of Marvel stuff and, um, like have the video game version versus the MCU version versus the, you know, the old, uh, you know, whatever, uh, old Captain America movie from the like the <laughs> or the Spider Man or it's essentially becoming Fantastic like Super Four Smash or whatever, Brothers but like, in a weird way, kind of. But for for superheroes. So, anyways, back to Venom. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm very curious to see what this next because we haven't really seen what the aftermath of that Disney and Sony deal after you know they 
pulled out and and uh, wouldn't let Tom Holland be in any more MCU movies. They signed that new deal that said he was doing three more movies, right? One, this third Spider-Man movie, and then two, two MCU yeah, like something where he movies. will Is that what show up in, in some capacity. I think it would be, be a film and not a TV show. Yeah. So uh, curious. Uh, but I don't think that they can go back. I mean, I, at this right. point when, you know, like, again, for the fans more so than sort of, you know, everyone else, because they've introduced Spider-Man back into the MCU, I think Sony is always going to have, like, they'll have leverage, obviously, but they're always going to have to make these deals with, uh, you know, with Marvel and, and, and Disney. Well, I think they realize like it's the bet. Like, yeah. I think you kind of have to at this point. Like, I just feel like if unless uh, unless Tom Holland wants to stop playing, well, the well even if you bring right, somebody else, if out, you reboot but, it again, like, I still think you're going to have to make some sort of deal with Marvel Studios and Disney to have some sort of connection to keep you know people interested in the storylines and in the yeah. franchise. Because if you rip them out of the biggest, you know, franchise, you're basically shooting of all yourself time, in the foot. And that's going to be. And again, like I yeah. think Sony has yeah. the leverage to make that negotiation, but they also have to be smart and realize they need to do it because that is what's keeping that franchise. Not that like Spider-Man can't be sold just on his own, but now that you've introduced him into that fold, it's it's expected, right? And and so if you take him out, it's kind of yeah. like, well. No matter what, you probably look like yeah. the bad guys in that situation. Like even now that they've gotten a more even split, right? Because that was the one thing Disney wanted was like if they're putting an investment into here, they want a return on that, right? Like even if it's like sixty forty, I think it ended up being or something, or I forget what it was, but or fi- it was it fifty fifty. I can't even remember. But um, anyways, uh, I have I don't know. I don't really care about Venom two. Um, I didn't really need it. Uh, I'd prefer to just have seen Venom introduced into the MCU and then. But that would probably uh, be weird. Or maybe as well, you can because do- like I'm even thinking with like. Deadpool and how that character is going to be integrated into the MCU and just tonally speaking, you know, with, you know, a, a, a PG 13 version of that character and also him being sort of, I think he'll get an R rated version of that character, but then he'll be PG uh, in right. Team up movies. Um, I think, um, and I think you can do that in a, an irreverent kind of interesting, fun way, like with, with that character where you just like, I think you have them in, it would feel weird, but having that character in like a, not that the MCU is grounded at all, um, but you kind of know the difference between, you know, a Deadpool movie and a, you know, an MCU movie with the tone, right? So like if you have Deadpool show up in an Avengers movie or new Avengers or, or whatever, um, I think in something like a, a pure comedy, like a you know, like something like a Ragnarok or, or or something that is a bit zany and out there, it could it could work. But um, whether you just have him continuously swear, but it's legitimately censored in the movie, like bleeps happen. Like I don't know if that would just feel out of place in like a move in in a MCU movie. But I'm really curious to see how they integrate you know, all of these different things, but I like the agent venom character too. If we're talking about venom and in a way that I think could have been cool to introduce him in the MCU. Like, um, 
And even with this multiverse thing, because like Flash Thompson in the comics becomes Agent Venom because Flash Thompson ends up going to war and he gets his legs um, blown off and he loses his legs in the war. And then uh, he ends up give it, getting the symbiote <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and it, it, you know, he can basically create legs for himself and he becomes Agent Venom. So it's kind of this slick kind of like you know, spy slash army, like a uh, military version of Venom. Um, but then he kind of has outbursts where, you know, he becomes the, you know, savage kind of almost, almost like Hulking but also out, like lizard right? as and well. Like, right. Where like, you know, yeah, he, he gets his limbs back, but the, the, the sort of the bargain there is that, you know, the thing that's kind of helping him is also turning him into a creature. Yes, exactly. So um, I really like that character. And I think you uh, could do something interesting with Flash in the MCU thing with with that, because, again, they're kind of putting him as like being obsessed with Spider-Man and and, and kind of things like that, where I think giving him the symbiote um, could be interesting in the MCU if you're going to do a Venom thing there. But I don't know how all of this shit's going to work. And um, I'm very excited for No Way Home, but like. This I just I I don't know don't couldn't couldn't care less about it I guess still got to see it in New York um, at a at a draft house though yeah will it play TIFF will it play the New York Film Festival stay tuned to find out we have no idea <laughs> Can um, announces it, a last minute edition it's like <laughs> guys Venom Let There Be Carnage is the opening night movie well it's so interesting because all of these movies have probably been done yeah. for a while right so like it's i mean any of these things could pop up which at is almost another but, detractor um, or, or or slam against this it's like you had all this extra time to really put even just like like not even the movie but like put a trailer together that would actually be kind of exciting and entice people that were let down by venom or 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 felt kind of like you know the movie was just a complete joke to really kind of do something different with this. And it's like, that's what you give us. <laughs> One is the loneliest number that you ever knew. Uh, okay. Moving on. Uh, I guess we'll just stick with the MCU um, stuff. It's a perfect segue. We did get a, like a Marvel phase four hype trailer kind of thing which was like a look at everything that came before and look at what's coming it would almost next, be something right? like you'd expect so, at like cinema con or or comic con yeah, or kind of, comic con this yeah. specifically gearing towards the films with the exception i mean black widow is in the real but it's sort of focusing on the return to cinemas specifically yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, cinemas are starting to open up in in the U.S. So this was kind of a hype trailer to be like these these are meant for. There's a difference between the Disney Plus shows and the movies. These are the movies. Here's what's coming up, and here's what you should get excited for. And we've got we got all these announcements, you know, on Investor Day for the most part, but we didn't get release dates, and we got a couple new titles here. So it starts off with a really lovely kind of like recap of the MCU, and then kind of goes into footage from Black Widow. And then we get our first look at the, uh, well, then we got uh, Shang-Chi. Um, and then we got uh, our first look at Chloe Zhao's The Eternals, basically like 15 seconds of footage there. Um, and then 
that was it from the footage, right? But then they showed Spider-Man No Way Home. They show a uh, title logo and a release date. They showed uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the title of Black Panther 2. Uh, Captain Marvel 2 is titled The Marvels. Um, am I missing Guardians anything of the there? We got obviously got Guardians Doctor of the Galaxy Doctor Volume Strange. 3. Um, Strange and, and the Multiverse the of Madness. And then we also Fantastic Four logo. Assuming 2023 on that, right? Or because they already had four movies in 2022. So I don't think we're going to get Fantastic And they're probably still in early stages Um, because you have John Watts who's directing Fantastic Four, who's probably finishing up post-production right now on Spider-Man No Way Home. Or probably just in the middle of it, right? Because I think they just finished shooting. So you got to think like he won't start casting and shooting that movie until probably late next year. Um, and then probably yeah, or mid to late next year, and then um, and then that probably coming out in twenty twenty three, and then Blade they didn't show but anything. They're still from, in early stages of uh, that. I mean, they're still working. Yeah, they actually pushed yeah. it because right? they want to get it they, right. And and I mean, they, I'll be talking about this and what we watched with I, I rewatched the Blade Trinity. The Blade Trilogy, which includes Blade Trinity. Um, and I gotta say that first Blade movie, even though it's uh. Yeah, it's quite dated in terms of some of the visual aesthetics being, you know, the late 90s and uh, director Steve Norrington, who, um, you know, would go on to direct the horrible uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen adaptation, um, really understands sort of or, or doesn't hold the comic book genre up to the same regard as he does sort of 70s exploitation cinema and Hong Kong cinema. And I think that those two genres mesh really well within a comic book uh, adaptation and specifically within Blade. And then on top of that, the casting of Wesley Snipes, I think, um, is is perfect uh, for that first movie. And it's also a very mean film. It plays with sort of the anti-hero in a way that shows you that this character, you know, ultimately does the right thing, but his singular sort of tunnel vision to, you know, hunt down vampires and avenge uh, his late mother is so strong that everything else around him, you know, doesn't even take a backseat. It's, 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 it's so far removed. So him, you know, trying to help or save uh, pedestrians or people caught in the crossfire is almost, you know, a second or third thought compared to him just trying to get rid of the vampire underworld. And that first movie, again, you know, the, some of this CGI is, is very much dated. Um, You know, it's, it's a year before the matrix, but still has that kind of like, matrix style sort of you know action sequences and sort of house music incorporated electronica uh incorporated that you feel like you're watching a music video but i feel that that first movie really kind of not only set the tone for what was coming with comic book films because this also was before um you know the x-men movies and 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 spider-man uh the the sam raimi spider-man films where this also kind of brought back the comic book movie a little bit because the year before that was Batman and Robin. So um, I think that first Blade movie is uh, an important sort of piece to the puzzle of what, um, you know, comic book movies as a whole um, have become over the years. And the new 4K uh, transfer uh, actually looks pretty good. Uh, and it was shot on film, so it, it, it 
you know, the enhancement and, and sort of cleaning up of it on 4K uh, looks good. Guillermo del Toro's one is the one that I you, you'd think that I would love the most because I do really like him as a filmmaker. And I kind of like the idea that he truly turned it into almost like, you know, a group of people on a mission or, or of survival, basically, you know, him Blade teaming up with other vampires that are being hunted down by a sort of a new strain of vampires is an interesting enough idea, but I think some of the, again, the visuals don't hold up as well. And there's just something about that third act that just kind of falls apart for me. Um, And then Blade Trinity is just a night terror. It is so bad. Like (laughs) um, Ryan Reynolds is obnoxious. Uh, Triple H and Parker Posey are just ill suited together. Like it's just, it's, it's such a weird sort of, and it's also just very tired at that point. Like it kind of feels like, like even Wesley Snipes is like, just not interested in the film and he's just collecting money and, you know, ready to go to prison for tax evasion. So, um, it's best to skip (laughs) Trinity for all intents and purposes, but I haven't seen him, but the first one is more of a, uh, sort of a, an artifact now, but still worth, I would say checking out because it is a mean spirited movie that has, you know, cool action sequences, um, that again, Wesley Snipes was so, so perfectly cast as blade. And he, at that point wanted to do black Panther. So he approaches the material, not as sort of like a fan, but just as an action hero. And I think that that really works for the character. And I'm also very excited still for Mahershala Ali, yeah. and I, I I am also yeah same. I don't know how you do blade, how you can do a PG thirteen blade. I you, he's got to be R like that character, that world, the violence that's depicted is R rated stuff. Like, yeah, I'm curious to see what they'll do there as well. Like, I'm I mean, you can get. I, I don't know. Yeah, I I have no idea. There was that article that came out about that they're looking for directors and and the uh the JJ Abrams uh Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman movie was also looking at the same kind of pool of directors um that included like Shaka King and and uh, uh Regina King and um uh, who else was in that list? But uh, anyways, but they wanted, you know, a black filmmaker to come on and, and, and work on these movies, of course. So um, they're looking at the same group of people for both of those movies and they want like a top name. So i um, curious of who they'll bring in for that. Um, but going back to the, the, I haven't watched blade in, in a while, but I'd be curious to revisit them, but like uh, maybe before the, the Marvel blade comes out, but, um, but then going back to the phase four, kind of thing i thought it was really really well put together um i thought they did a really great job of going okay like people do give a shit about this and we'll remind them that like no one is doing this quite like we're doing it and um i think like uh, i mean i retweeted uh, a friend of the show clayton davis's uh tweet of being like more studios need to put out kind of like reels like this to get people excited about what's well, to go coming, back to right? the theater and, and especially such... now right where it's like yeah. okay, what what do we have to look forward to when theaters reopen and yeah marvel is obviously a, a major studio that can throw something like this together and get people's attention but it would also be good if the other studios would do something similar to get people's attention. And and it doesn't all have to be 
superhero action movies. It can just be it, it could just be what they have in the in no A twenty four could do something like this, huge. and then we'd all. Like and then not just going of the film film broy kind of labels like that either, but I feel like if you have some exciting stuff, like put you just have to show look at with Eternals, fifteen seconds of footage that people haven't seen before and a logo, and people are like, oh fuck, I can't wait to see that. And I feel like if you start to go, here's everything. Like Netflix could easily do this, um, uh, which Netflix does stuff like this. Well, anyway, they kind of did at the beginning of this year of, when they, they announced it that they had like. A movie for every week of the the calendar year or the month every month <laughs> that's too many though <laughs> they need to focus a little bit more so anyways i thought they did a good job i thought chloe zhao's eternals uh looked spectacular like i um obviously everything they've talked about of how she shot a lot of stuff on location with the same camera setup that she used um uh for Nomadland and I know a lot of people were kind of dunking on Kevin Feige because in that Chloe Zhao profile after the Oscars uh he talked about being like how he had to show all the execs at Marvel like some of her test footage and be like none of this is shot on green screen it's all real can you believe it <laughs> and people were like what do you know like you can shoot on location and it looks fucking well great. he was even more nervous and, because um, I don't know how this happened but like Nomadland not winning uh, cinematography at the Oscars this year. It's like, oh no, yeah. now I'm worried again. <laughs> yeah, we should have hired the guy who yeah, shot yeah, Meg. Yeah, so <laughs> God. Um, so I thought that 15 seconds looked um, looked wonderful. I can't wait to see the full trailer. Um, obviously, I'm excited for the rest of it. Um, I like uh, it. Obviously, Black Panther two being called Wakanda Forever, really interesting because we still have no idea what how they're going to proceed after the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman. Let's start shooting um, this summer, right? Uh, May- In July. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I have, no one knows what that movie will be about, but um, they said it'll be very celebratory and it'll be very focused on the people of Wakanda. So, uh, cool. Uh, the Marvels, uh, cool title. Um, you saw the. Uh, 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 the uh, Faz. What's um the character's name in Wandavision? Um, uh, like I don't know her superhero name, but Tayona Paris's character from Wandavision. Um, oh, Monica Rambo. You saw her logo. Yeah, Monica Rambo. But her her superhero um alter ego. Uh, the you saw the logo for it in um in the the A of the Marvels, and then you saw the Ms. Marvel S as the S in No, do you think they're so doing it's gonna that focus on those three partly characters. because the response to just Brie Larson as Captain Marvel has been lukewarm uh at best. Now they're kind of creating like a, a shared sort of Marvels instead of Captain Marvel and like, you know, subtitling it with, you know, the Dawn of Marvels or something like that. Where like I almost feel like her appearance Yeah, because her appearances in both her own film and even Avengers Endgame have been kind of met with, you know, partly, you know, bro culture sort of backlash, but toxic, toxic response, response, but also yeah. kind of just a lukewarm response in general from just, you know, Marvel fans, like just non sort of assholes, but like, it just almost feels like maybe she was either miscast or, or she just wasn't feeling the role or something. I don't know. I mean, it's something we even talked about in our original review, which I've gone back and watched Captain Marvel a couple times now, and I kind of get softer and softer on it each time. And um, 
and partly because of it. Like I like Brie Larson a lot, but um, I do kind of agree that she um, is a little awkward know, or like, feels like just she doesn't have yeah, a, a grasp like, on the role. I, I yes, exactly. And I feel like we always said like, oh, well, let's wait until, you know, movie two or three, because even if you look at, you know, Thor in the first movie, yeah, or, Hemsworth is, I mean, has, uh, has truly uh, come into his own and it, it, it took him until Thor Ragnarok to do so. Right. Okay. And Monica Rambo's character is Photon or Spectrum, one of those two. But her logo was in in there. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I've always wanted – I give her the benefit of the doubt of like, okay, you know, she played her – the endgame version of the character before she played the movie version of the character. And that's really tough to kind of be thrown into that movie as your first appearance with all of these actors who have been playing these characters for, you know, upwards of almost 10 years, right? And then in Captain Marvel – um, yeah, I just, I, I felt like she did feel a little awkward and I know some of that was like the alienness of the character of like, you know, not having her memory and being human, but also living on this planet. And, you know, I just, I don't know, there was something off and I was like, you know what, she'll probably grow into the character and I can't wait to see what she does in number two or number three, because I don't think everything worked, but it was an okay movie. And the more I've watched it, I still stick with that. It's an okay movie. Um, but I do rank it pretty low on my, like during my Marvel rewatches. Cause I just don't, I think the villains are super boring. The nineties, uh, period piece doesn't, they don't really use it to their advantage very much. And like the scroll stuff I do think is still really interesting. Um, but it seems like that's going off into secret invasion. Um, and then, so the Marvels, I think there was a really great reception for Monica Rambo in, um in wandavision although the way that they kind of handled her character at the end they kind of just like forgot about her and she didn't really have much to do in those final you know episodes um and then with ms marvel i mean we're gonna see that series at the end of this year so um we'll see how people kind of um uh react to that but uh, i know people really like that character and in the comics and um i think obviously both you know, those characters are great for representation in the MCU. And we're seeing a lot more great stuff on that end. So I don't know, calling it the Marvels, um, I think is smart and, um, kind of giving it more of an ensemble rather than just focusing on Captain Marvel. Uh, and you need like Captain Marvel is also very overly powered. It feels like in the, in, in both Endgame and here. So maybe you need to throw in some other characters to kind of off a little bit or, or even yeah. like her. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't read the comic books, but you know, having listened to people that do and, and, and talk to people like yourself, like, um, the, the character's ideology, at least in the comic books has been very pro military. And sometimes that can also be something that's a little off putting to, to some, so I could understand like them trying to like sort of ease back from that a little bit as well, and and try to find something like a character that's maybe more relatable in in you know Ms. Marvel or 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 Monica in in sort of you know someone who is very proactive, but at the same time isn't sort of as- associated with one sort of group, and like even Monica at the end of WandaVision seemed to be kind of backing away from Sword, and even though you know she has ties because of her own mother realizes that you know these establishments aren't you know what makes the person heroic or defines the person it's it's the individual acts mm-hmm. that 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 make up who they are you know and and that's something that i think yeah. is really key to that so it is interesting that that that's the the 
title that they're going with because it really does say to me that this is going to be more of an ensemble piece and it's not going to be, you know, just all on Captain Marvel. A yeah. Carol Danvers movie. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not just a Carol Danvers movie. It's anyone who has any relationship to that moniker. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah. So, and I mean, there's some interesting thing that they can touch on. Cause it looked like Monica Rambo wasn't super happy with Carol, like in WandaVision. So the, and like, we'll see probably a little bit more of that in, is she confirmed to be in secret? Invasion I don't think or so. No? no, no, she's not. Right. Right. Kingsley so, Benadir, yeah, Olivia I have no Coleman, idea, Samuel Jackson, yeah. and Ben Mendelsohn, I think, and Amelia and Clark Amelia are the Clark. confirmed actors for that. But probably yeah. there will be some cameo or at least, at the very least, references. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we talk about the MCU a lot um, on on this show, but- It's a big um, part of-, of, of Honestly, like- it's a pop culture, cinema right, right now, really, and like pop culture and and just. But there is something and, we could spin off to gonna... that I, I think is just as important in terms of uh, uh, trailers being released. Uh, Benedetta, uh, Paul Verhoeven's sleazy, oh, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sort of uh, non exploitation movie. Sexy, but, all, nun but movie. at the same time, <laughs> going to traumatize you. Also, very, yeah. <laughs> It's at, at first glance seems like a sexy nun movie, but as you know, if you've seen a Verhoeven movie, nothing is really what it seems overly sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm all in on it. Obviously it was on our, you know, our most anticipated films of 2021. Uh, go check that out on letterboxd. But um, yeah, man, I, I forgot that that trailer dropped, but I was um, I'm obviously all in on it. I'm like a new Polly V movie, a new weirdly religious erotic thriller. <laughs> Like, I don't know what to bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it, man. So, um, uh, it, will it make a good double bill with like a first reformed or something like that? Like, uh, I'll be in, but I that. think it's like, almost even more comical, dark, even weird... in the cutting of that trailer, oh, because totally. it begins almost like you're watching like some sort of prestigious, like Oscar Beatty movie. And then all of a sudden it cuts to the and snake then it just kinda, kissing and yeah. you're just like, Oh my God, we are in for some really, you know, salacious material with, with, with Paulie V, you know, coming back. And, and yeah, I, I, I mean, like we, we, we both love uh, Paul Verhoeven's movies, especially, I mean, obviously like if you grew up in, you know, the late eighties, early nineties and watched RoboCop or total recall way too young and saw a lot of the subversive material that he sort of incorporated into what is essentially, you know, sci-fi thrillers or sci-fi action films. He really sort of took your childhood and, and, and warped it in the best possible way. And then when you watch, you know, any of his sort of films with, you know, the late Rucker Hauer or, um, you know, even more recently with L, like you just know that the guy is not playing by anybody's rules and you never know what to expect other than it's not going to be in, in good taste. <laughs> no, not at all. And he's one of the only guys who can continuously kind of get away with it just because that's, you know, he's at least stuck to his guns his whole career, right? Like, and like part of it is satirical. So you can kind of, it's something I talk about, like even when we, not to compare it to like Borat or Sasha Baron Cohen or like, but I have this conversation when people go, Oh, comedy is 
you know, you have to, it's too PC now. You can't get away with anything or you can't do certain things. And I'm like, I don't think that's necessarily true because if you have something to say or you're satirizing something, I'm like, you can still be pretty, pretty edgy. And I mean, he proves that. And there are other people that prove that being like, you know what, you can still do it because if you have, if it, if it's worthwhile, that's all that really matters, right? Like if it's just for the sake of being edgy or, you know, to get a reaction out of someone, that stuff is lazy. And I, I don't like that at all, but a lot of the stuff he includes in his, in his films is something that no one else could really touch. But for some reason, you know, he can do it because he's been doing it his whole career. And he usually has at least something to say, even if you don't necessarily agree with how he's saying it or what he's saying. Um, he, he definitely goes there and he has um, uh, no reservations. Yeah, he's, about he's, it. he's a provocateur and a unapologetic in, in, in the same regard, but like, you know, you, you know, you mentioned the idea that he's not doing it just for the sake of doing it. Where, like, I feel like Lars von Trier is is somebody that just tries sure. to get a rise out of sometimes. People, where Paul Verhoeven almost feels like he's serving his own weird um, sort of ego and id while doing it, and sort of just interested in like what he's thinking about. And obviously, you know, with L and and even sort of you know his sort of religious kind of outlook recently he's exploring things that interest him. And I think that, you know, if you want to go on that journey with him, he's saying, Hey, it's okay. Let's do this together. Where someone like Lars von Trier, who has made some good movies, but is also somebody who's very sort of, um, adversive and, and corrosive when it comes to people watching his movies. It's almost like he dares you to sort of watch this film, no matter how disgusting or, perverted it is and and it's not in sort of uh a fun manner or an interesting manner or an artistic one it's just almost like can i make the audience endure you know this two hour sort of uh drear fest or this two hour you know exploitation cinema and and get away with you know misogynistic and racist sort of rants and 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 use the guise of cinema to disguise it and that's not necessarily what paul verhoeven's about he he's actually interested in weird idiosyncratic sort of human behavior within the construct of you know religious iconography or sort of uh modern society and and again satire is an interesting thing to sort of look at now because a lot of people do talk about the idea of you know not just comedy kind of being quote unquote neutered by the pc police robocop showing up at your house and shooting you in the dick if you say something horrible but the idea (laughs) that satire itself is dead and I'm, i'm curious to see how someone like paul verhoeven who's known for his satire and sort of his edgy comedy incorporates this into a film that is a period piece but also is sort of very much looking at it from the point of view of now or has made it from the point of view of now so that a lot of that is going to be really interesting to to look at now the movie is going to be released uh in july in france and will be playing i think simultaneously at the Cannes film festival in july it doesn't have distribution here yet in in north america but i'm sure that will change uh soon enough whether it be a smaller uh distributor or or a more notable uh one like neon or someone like that picking it up or a24 but like if a movie like pleasure can get picked up by a24 then yeah like benedetta will find a home somewhere you know it will find a house of god in cinema (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see who picks it up. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Obviously, we put it on our list and um, that trailer just kind of emphasizes that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to a new Paul E.V. movie. Because um, yeah, you said July, it's getting released. It does. I mean, it could still play TIFF depending on when it's North American release is because um, we did see L at TIFF and they played Verhoeven's movies in the past too. So um, yeah, we'll see, see where it shows up. I'll be, um, I'll be very curious. I, I just, I'm, I'm definitely. Well, it's also just exciting as well, because you have, you know, a guy who obviously doesn't make, you know, a movie every couple of years. I mean, L was 2017. So um it's been a while. And then also with the announcement of David Cronenberg coming back um, with not a remake of his student film, which a lot of people thought it was because it has the same title of Crimes of the Future, um, but is actually a completely different movie um, with the same title uh, that has a cast that includes Viggo Mortensen, no surprise there, um, Kristen Stewart and Leah Seydoux that's going to be shooting in Greece in the summer, which is a futuristic sort of neo-noir um, that looks at people and sort of accelerated uh, growth in organs and, and what have you. And I got to say, Matt, hearing that news delighted me because Maps of the Stars was seven years ago and probably one of the weakest Whoa. films of Cronenberg had directed. Yeah. And it almost seemed like he was semi-retired at that point as well. And And sadly, his wife recently passed away and also his um sister so it kind of you know he'd been he's been acting more recently and stuff like uh alias grace and uh star trek discovery and, and things like that and and even and clifton, clifton hill, hill and also <laughs> popping up in in Vigo mortensen's directorial debut falling so for him to announce <laughs> this and that he's doing something that's you know he's not done with the future which is a quote in the press release um I have not been more excited for uh, a feature in a long time, something like this, because David Cronenberg nice. to me is the guy that like anytime that somebody knocks Canadian cinema, it's like, well, at least we have David, you know, this is the guy we, this is the guy who set the table for body horror and he makes up for all yeah, the exactly. other Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, like it just, I'm just happy that he's, he's back and at least we'll get one more movie from him. Um, yeah, I hope he still got it, man. Like I again, I don't think Maps to the Stars is very good, but um I mean Henry teaming with Vigo gives me a lot of hope. Um uh Kristen Stewart I think keeps making, you know, banger choice after banger choice. Um I think she's great. I really do genuinely love her. Um and obviously the rest of the cast that they announced was is pretty dynamite. David Cronenberg well. so, um, only works I'm with Twilight in. actors. Um Cam Gigante. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it could be um, your turn next. Yeah, he's <laughs> just keep your phone ready. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love uh, God. I wish both of them were in this movie. I think that would have been hilarious and awesome. But um, yeah, I'm all in as well, man. Like again, I um, uh, I I bet God maps to the stars. What a disaster that movie kind of was. But um, I hope you know the time off did him well, and that he. Uh, he comes back with something that's. Uh, did they say who's like producing it? It's just got Canadian producers. Well, it was now, picked up by what? Neon. Um, yeah. 
Oh, it was already. Like yeah. that's that's fantastic news to me. Like that's showing that they have a, a ton of faith in it as well. And I mean, neon, obviously, neon fanboy number oh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very excited. So, neon um, and serendipity, which is a Canadian company, are co-releasing the film. And um, yeah, for the U.S., it'll be it'll be neon. So you know, he's following in his son's footsteps for the first time. <laughs> You know what? Good for him. Um, because yeah, I, I again, I haven't loved the Cronenberg movie since Eastern Promises and and History of Violence. Because like a dangerous Mo- a method did nothing for me. Cosmopolis did nothing for me. Match of the Stars did nothing for me. But you know, reteaming with Vigo, as I mentioned, you know, that's since East- he wasn't in any of the other stuff, right? Eastern Promises, dangerous method. He did he played him. Sigmund Freud. Um, Oh, he was in? Yes. Yeah, he was. Okay. I just th- kept thinking Fastbender. He played Carl Young. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, haven't seen it since 2011, so it's been a decade. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I'm psyched. You know, getting back to obviously um, you said body horror and, and and stuff like that too. We recently watched oh, uh, yeah. The Fly, which was a blast. Now available on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Disney's The Fly with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just really excited about that. And, and, um, he's, he's one of the best filmmakers and again, a guy that's not afraid to go to some pretty weird and dark places. And, you know, his entire filmography has been pretty singular when it comes to sort of the idea of the body decaying and what that means and sort of our relationship to technology and sort of us depending on it. And, and I think that, you know, like he's a guy that keeps getting referenced throughout, you know, not only the genre, but in, in, in cinema about those topics and ideas. And it feels like it's a little bit ripe for him to kind of come back. And I feel like a lot of people kind of gave possessor more of a pass because they wanted David back, you know, and like, nobody was really doing something like that. So why not get the sun or if the sun makes something like, you know, enjoy that for what it is. And possessor is, it's fine. I, I don't mind the movie. I just don't think it's as good as, you know, the, the, the most minor David Cronenberg movie. Like it's, you know, no, it's like yeah. drinking a diet soda, right? Like it's fine, but like, it's just, you're not getting those not video what calories, the, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm stoked, man. Uh, moving on. Do you want to go into what we've been watching or just continue to yeah, news and we'll cap the, the show and, and, with and, what we've been yeah. watching? Um, the other big thing, uh, I want to talk about the Pamela Anderson, Tommy <laughs> Lee, uh, limited series that's coming yeah. to Hulu, correct? From Craig, Craig Gillespie, uh, who directed I, Tanya. also directed a couple episodes um, of Physical, so, right? With uh, Rose Byrne, which is coming out. Yes, yeah, which is coming out uh, on Apple TV. Um, so yeah, you, it has Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee and Lily James as Pamela Anderson. Uh, Seth Rogen's also in the series. I think he's playing the like porn producer that buys. Their no, I think I think right? that's I Nick think? Offerman or, who's playing that. Like, oh, Nick he's Offerman the guy is. that okay, finds fantastic. the videotape and gives it to like his uncle, who's played by Nick Offerman, uh, who's a porn producer. Oh, okay. That's who it is. Okay. That's what the story is. Okay. Um, dude, the photos look fantastic. And like, uh, Lily James as Pamela Anderson looks, I didn't even recognize her. Like Um, it looked just like, uh, I mean, again, it's all prosthetics and makeup and things like that. But I honestly, like if you were to tell me that was Lily James without knowing it, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you like it was, it was amazing. Yeah. 
incredible really like truly truly incredible and then sebastian stan looks pretty good as tommy lee like obviously not as good as lily james looks as this is what happened when the winter soldier was sort of off you know uh off duty (laughs) yeah sure yeah yeah um yeah, so you have Seth Rogen as Rand Gauthier and Nick Offerman as Uncle Mid- Milty. <laughs> Although I think Uncle Ron um, Swanson would have been a better porn name. <laughs> uh, Andrew Dice Clay's in it as well. Oh, the Dice You'll Man. love to see it. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg uh, producing. Um, so... Uh, weirdly like i mean this is also news right now because seth rogan's book yearbook comes out um tomorrow i think eric and i are are getting some copies and and maybe have some impressions on it i am excited to read it i love seth rogan um and evan goldberg interviewed them once you did too right or no no did you interview them okay they they were and you interviewed them for uh this is the end but like yeah, and then um, there's all that news where he came out and talked about you know the allegations against well, James also Franco him being an enabler they, as well of you know, James Franco like, when they were working yes, together. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yes, so he kind of apologized for that and said that like he really regrets some of the things he said and how he kind of stood by him and, and and things like that. And so it's interesting. Like, I mean, obviously it's probably just a contractual thing, but like James James Franco and Dave Franco are executive producers on on that series right um with megan ellison and anna perna and stuff but um either way excited well, for also series. that rogan is um, going to be working with and, steven spielberg right for the fablemans which you know so yeah it's probably best that he rogan is always makes interesting choices but um but yeah best yeah. of distance himself, but also just be honest saying? about yeah, like yeah. if he if he honestly was giving franco James Franco, not Dave Franco, um, you know, a platform to be a shitty person, you know, it's better to not deny it. And I think sometimes when it's your friend and you're in a, have a working relationship and you're both very successful, like you kind of get clouded in, in, you know, that, and you kind of, you know, defend your friend or just stand by them, even though, or make jokes about it. Like he said, he really regretted that joke on SNL about, you know, poking fun that he was messaging, you know, you know, 17 year olds on and younger on Instagram. And so like, I mean, good for him for, you know, finally kind of come, but he's also on a book tour right now too. He should be doing it for the right reasons and not just for the publicity of, of a, book tour keeping into in a movie well i think it's because he's doing interviews i I know that but i mean like he should he should be wanting to do it just because it's the right thing to do at least he's talking about it right like some people would be like don't ask me about yeah franco stuff and he was even a little coy when they're like oh how is your personal relationship now your business relationship and he's like that's a hard question because he's known him since freaks and (laughs) And then he's right like Like, it's they've known each other for a very long time so yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange situation to be in, but at the same time, you also have to take accountability for, you know, if you had a part in that or if you were, again, poking fun at somebody's expense. Or gave yeah. him a pass or like, yeah, or kind of just went, oh, okay, well, that's his thing. Like, doesn't affect me. He'll deal with it and I'll still keep working yeah. with him and shit, right? Or be his friend or whatever, but um I am a, a genuinely curious about his book because, uh, yeah, I've all, always kind of uh, admired the guy, and and um, it it seems cool. But um, I'm gonna check it out, um, dude. Other thing I want to talk about too: the library fucking rules, man. <laughs> like, I got an Oshawa Public Library card, and um, 
I talked about that when I was uh, reading Invincible or I rented the Mortal Kombat movies um, through my library card because I didn't want to rent them and pay for them on streaming services. Um, now I'm like, oh man, a new Resident Evil game came out. I played Resident Evil 7. I was like four years late on it, but I played it a couple weekends ago. Really enjoyed it. And Resident Evil 8 came out this week and I'm like, I don't want to pay fucking $90 or whatever it is for a video game. They're is this so the Umbrella now, Woman? Especially here. and like That people are talking talking about oh that this this sexy nine foot six yeah. witch lady that people lady dimitrescu yeah um everyone want everyone's thirsty for the giant vampire lady yeah for sure <laughs> um so anyways resident evil 8 came out i'm like i don't want to and i'm like no blockbuster doesn't exist anymore and i'm like you can't rent video games anywhere i'm like man i really wish i could rent this game i don't necessarily want to pay 80 to 90 dollars canadian for it for a game that's 10 to 15 hours long that i could beat in a weekend think the library is incredible the library rents video games for free for free playstation 5 games playstation 4 games um they rent movies as well i put in a couple blu-ray rentals because i'm like oh sweet i don't have to pay for these on a streaming service or even if they are on a streaming service you know physical media if it's not in 4k it's still better um so I and Seth Rogen's book was already available at the library too, and um, I think we might be getting copies, but I wasn't sure if we're getting copies. So like I put a, a a thing into that. I put in like seven video game rentals and like two movie rentals, uh, Psycho Gorman and Scare Me. I put in the Blu-ray rentals for because I'm like, you know what, sweet, I'll just rent these from the library. I gotta and, watch Psycho and Gorman. Use their Blu-rays. It seems so, like it's like, right up my alley. Um, because we had Peter Kapowski yeah, so, on I mean, and he talked about that when, when yeah. we interviewed him. Yeah, because he's a producer on it. Um, so I put in for that and it's already ready for me to go pick up at the library. And I'm like, oh, and but a lot of the video games had like, you know, there was like six people in line in front of me, but they're week long rentals. I'm like, I can wait six weeks if I don't have to pay right. $90 and then um, for a free video game rental. So what you're saying, dope. support your so, local library. Um you absolutely should, especially for movies and 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 video games. And, and only books, the educational really. like, ones. Even if you're not, <laughs> yeah, like Psycho Gorman. Um, and uh, I just think it's that, like, even if you're not a reader, because like I wouldn't say like I'm a, a huge like I haven't read an, a full novel in, in quite some time. I always want to, or I want to try. I've gotten in now that I read Invincible again. I read the whole series um again i'm like okay i'm kind of in a reading mood again um i haven't found that next graphic novel that i want to read so there is something i would novels and then kind of looking at to maybe read this summer or or when i say this summer i mean i don't mean the whole summer i mean like it in the next month or so uh is the new andy weir book uh yes so i put in no 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 project hail mary no Project Hail Mary. Is, um, Sorry, yes, I put been that picked on up a... by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, who are going to be directing it uh, over at MGM with Ryan Gosling in the lead. So it's going to be their first live action movie since Twenty Two Jump Street, um, and the book is apparently really, really good. Yeah. So. Uh, Project Hail Mary, correct? I'm gonna. This is in real time, people. <laughs> I put in. I put in um, a request for it, the digital version, uh, on Libby. Um, but I will also put a hold on it. See the ebook on the Oshawa library has 75 holds on 17 copies. And then there's five holds on five copies for the, 
or no holds on the large print edition, Eric. So I could get the large print edition right away. So if you have bad eyes, go for it. And who doesn't? Um, Two guys wearing glasses. <laughs> yeah, I know. I put a hold on it, but I also have a hold on it on my um, on my uh, iPad. Um, what else? So anyways, the Pam and Tommy series looks great. I'm very into it. Um, I know we kind of went on a tangent on something else there, but um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and Craig Gillespie Eric, also has uh, any other new? coming up in, in, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Busy dude. Busy dude. Florence and the Machine dropped a song today. It sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> right, Lee, I, I, I or it's just silly, really. Um, I listened to you know twenty seconds of it, and I was like, nope, not for me. Uh, and then moved on. Any other news that we missed over? Well, the just last looking at a weeks? new photo of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone from in Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Looks like it's going to be good. Ooh. I'm excited about that. Cool. Uh, just looking now to see if there's anything like major. I don't think there is. Uh, DC Fandomes coming back in October, so we can enter the dome um, soon again. Uh, thank God. Dome it up. <laughs> um, other than that, I feel like there hasn't been with like, your host Ty Domey. You know, since the Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> God, imagine. Um, there hasn't been like too too much um since the no Oscars, it, i right? mean like you know we've gotten a spattering of of news mostly like you know the the cronenberg thing was like my highlight and then you know the the, the real from marvel and and what have you but yeah it's it's been slow but it seems like you know we're also getting to a point now where things are starting to go back into production or people are starting to go back to work especially in uh, the U.S. There still are a lot of places around the world that aren't uh, ready to open their borders um, yet, or aren't ready to go. I mean, I mean, obviously we are. We're we're in this situation where, you know, things. We probably won't see I Spiral know. this week because of well, it. We, gotta, like, well, well, like, we shouldn't say that. Like, I mean, yeah, we won't see it this week, but the premium VOD release of it probably won't be too far behind. So we'll probably have a review for it in you know, the mid June, early July, you know, like something like that. So like, it's not, you know, we're not being too, we're not being hard done by in that way, but it does suck because it's, no, it still suck. Cause it still sucks. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I mean, not for you. No, you don't care I could not give a fuck at all. You could wait <laughs> the more, the, the longer better. you put it <laughs> off, the better for you probably. But yeah. like fast nine um, is well, so, I'm very like, quiet place and part two. quiet place part part two which is i tweeted about that and it, it just looks like all those movies because theaters are opening up in the u.s they're going to stick to those u.s release dates and then you know if theaters aren't open in your area you're you're shit out of luck mind you someone brought up the good point of like a lot of these companies made those new deals where the movies are on streaming services or pvod um like 45 days after their release or something so like it, it, we might only have to wait just over a month to you know see these things on VOD, but still waiting a month for a movie that you're you know, very excited about where everyone you know that lives in a, a different country is able to see it. And maybe it, we sound like spoiled because, you know, a lot of places in Europe and other places around the world have had to do that for 
you know, eternity where, you know, they're like, you guys don't even like we wait, you know, one, two, three months for a movie to come out here. That's already been playing in the U S or, but sometimes they get stuff early. So this shit just happens. Right. And it just really depends on your area. And I I don't want to, I mean, again, they don't owe us shit and we can't, obviously the health and safety of the people of, you know, Ontario and Canada is, is, you know, the number one priority where movie theaters obviously are not, but um, but you can be critical. It is of a bummer that for fucking this up, so I can't watch yeah, Spiral on a Friday. Lot, <laughs> Jigsaw's the new uh, prime minister. Thanks a lot, Doug Ford. <laughs> yeah, Doug Ford is the new villain of Saw. He's the Constance um, Mandalore yeah, of Ontario. So, oh God, I just got to Saw three. Speaking of what we've been watching lately, so we can kind of go into that yeah, to wrap up the show. Person. But. Um, <laughs> dude i love them i love them i can't help it um i uh i'm on saw three which is the introduction of of costas mandalore uh the mandalorian uh is how i'll call him from moving forward but um he's terrible um and saw three like they get progressively worse obviously and like um i think saw one um is still like, you know, for an indie horror movie, that's just ripping off seven. Like I, I still, um, really, really dig it. Um, I think Carrie Elways is terrible. A lot of the dialogue is really bad. Um, but it's just, I have it's my nostalgia goggles or what, but like, it was just a time in my life. I became obsessed with saw one, two, and three. Um, and I still really genuinely enjoy, one and two so far and then the third one i i don't remember as much but i'm watching it and i'm like oof, it's starting to get pretty yeah. rough <laughs> and like already like it's starting to get pretty rough where they get more and more and amb- not even ambitious but they just try to do more and more and they get more gory and more torture porny and like i think the first one really isn't that gory right like you have a couple moments here and there but they had a small budget it was uh, I, I don't think it really leaned super, super into the torture porn element. And then the second one I really like is like a, a resident evil kind of house puzzle kind of thing where, um, you know, it gets more and more violent with some of the traps and stuff like that. But I still think it's sort of folk focused and I will give, you know what? I will give Donnie Wahlberg a compliment oh here because he's not, he's not terrible. Wow, that in the is second truly one. Like when you saying him, something when you um, give Donnie Wahlberg a compliment. Dude, I like, I honestly, when you watch them back to back with the first one and how bad Carrie Elwes is in the first movie, like you sent me that clip and it's so fucking funny. And I remember even when I genuinely really loved the movie when I, you know, saw it when it first came out, like I remember that sequence where he's like, you bastard, you bastard. Where is she? (laughs) Like, and he's like, it's so bad that it's like really, really funny. And then when you go to the second movie and Donnie Wahlberg's playing the, you know, the lead investigator and and his son is involved. Detective Matthews. Um, He's actually like, it's over the top, but at least he's like, to me, he's believable. Like at least in the right. Saw universe, believable. Well, and dead. Like silence. I'm not going to put Donnie Wahlberg. He's also in, believable like, in that with um, his fucking electric yeah. razor, shaving while on duty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's so funny, man. Um, and like, yeah, he's just carrying that around. And um, so, anyways, I I will uh, give him credit in the second movie because um, I think he kind of um, 
you know, I'll call it the Tobin Bell trilogy, right? Those first three. Um, and now I'm on Saw 3 and it's starting to get to that point where I'm like, all right, this is starting to when the, they're focusing more and more on the gore and the traps rather than it being clever. And even they like, um, not to say like Saw was like ever like mind-blowingly clever, but that's kind of what I liked about it was like the escape room puzzle nature of, you know, Jigsaw uh, to be quite on the nose, which the movies are on the nose. Um, but I, I liked that part of it. It's like when I'm in a video game and I'm solving the puzzle is more interesting to me than, you know, some of the, the shooting sequences in an uncharted game or, or, or something like that, or in a resident evil. And like, um, so as it goes on and they get more and more focused on just like, let's make these as bloody as possible. Let's kind of, even the way that the twists start happening and they start, you know, ignoring what Jigsaw's, you know, moral compass was, the movies get away from that as well. And they're just like, no, he just, okay, let's, he, there, here's another generic serial killer and or let's keep going copycat. with ridiculous traps. Yeah. I want to be copycat thing. And then like uh, suspension of disbelief has to be there of how this guy with cancer. And I know they keep trying to retcon it with different people helping him out. But I'm like, even if he got these people to help him out, like there's no way he's building these traps or these houses and stuff like that. Like it's, it gets more and more ridiculous. Well, even them just writing um, themselves into a corner with Jigsaw being sick and then eventually having to kill him off. And it's like Jigsaw is still working from the grave. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yeah, no, I know it's so dumb, but like, I, um, I can't help, but, um, but still be excited for spiral. And um, I, I'm going to watch all nine of them, eight of them. This is yeah, the ninth cause, one, right? Cause, Cause well, saw, saw, 10 well, saw was seven is the last of like the original kind of consecutive year after year trilogy, right? Where like the last one was in 3d and then the jigsaw was supposed to kind of be the, the spirit brothers directing it, which was supposed to them, which yeah. was the original reboot of that franchise and failed. And now Spiral. But then Chris Rock came in and he's like, hey, I got an idea. And they're like, wait, Chris Rock? You want to okay. make a Saw movie? Why? And then, all right. There's definitely the most high profile Saw movie we've had so far. But um, I, I don't know. I am I really wish I could see it this week. Um, I'm, I'm holding out hope that some announcement comes that is like, you know what? We are going to release it here or something like that. I doubt it. Um, but yeah, because you know, I mean, it's been I'll pretty good in Canada when it comes to the day and date releases for Lionsgate films. When you look at both Antebellum and Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, um, you know, they they were released here in Ontario, uh, you know, the, the Fridays of on, on iTunes and other, um, you know, places like that. So it's it, it is a little bit odd that all of a sudden it's like, I guess, because theaters are opening in the US now that it's almost like, okay, well, now we want to have this exclusive window for certain releases in the US. And so that's going to affect the rest of uh, North America and probably Europe as well, based on, you know, when things get released in the rest of the world. So, you know, we're, we're always kind of lumped into the rest of the world, even though, you know, we're, we're, we're neighbors of, of the U S. So that's going to be again, very, probably frustrating and interesting to sort of look at in the next couple of months that aren't streaming related movies. So, you know, you've already mentioned it with 
uh, A Quiet Place 2 and, and Fast 9 and whatever else is going to be released, quote unquote, theatrically this summer, um, you know, this it'll be a case by case basis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to see, man. But um, in certain cases, we probably will get screeners and have reviews out for the American release date. And in certain cases, we're not. So with Spiral this week, it's not looking like we will. I put it there as a maybe, but um, I'm but still when holding we out can, hope that we something will changes in the it. next couple of days. Even if I don't no, totally. want to. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Even if I have to saw um, my own leg off to, to watch this uh, thing. To avoid it. Um, other than that, uh, since the Oscars, what have I been watching? Uh, I don't know if I talked about the Roadhouse watch along I did with Kind of Funny, which was a blast. Um, hadn't seen nice. Roadhouse in ages. Be so just nice. uh, yeah, ripping throats. Um, I rewatched No Country for Old Men, which was fantastic. But I think I talked about that on the Oscar show maybe a little bit. Um, Nevis and I have been watching... Um, the long way series i talked a little bit about it when i was watching long way up uh the ewan mcgregor charlie borman um uh, travel series where they ride motorcycles you know across the world um so we watched the two original series long way round and long way down um so really really dug those two series and now we're watching another charlie borman uh travel show called by any means uh, we're also watching Mayor of East Town, which I highly recommend. I've really enjoyed the first three episodes on HBO with uh, Kate Winslet and Evan Peters and um, and and more. Um, uh, Kate Winslet vapes, so there's already a positive positive one star vape, vape bump. Um, yeah, vape Winslet. So yeah, we've been watching a lot of TV, man. You know, making our way through. Weren't you also uh, watching the Dark TV Side shows of the Ring? Or going to watch that? Yeah, we watched the Chris Benoit episode, the Macho Man episode. Bone saws, um, right here. Yeah, so I mean, it's they're really, really interesting, but very sort of heavy because every episode. So is So every very episode depressing. is like the wrestler, the um, reality of like post yeah, or during kind of. you know wrestling yeah. that isn't sort of what's on camera. And I think Nevis is super interested in it because she doesn't she doesn't know any of these stories, right? Like she doesn't know the behind the scenes stuff or what happened with specific people. So like for me, I'm pretty familiar with like a lot like the Owen of Hart story. Things yeah, the Owen Hart one. We haven't watched that episode yet, but like I remember watching that pay-per-view live, right? On like a scrambled like feed and and um and so like a lot of the stuff I either lived through it or, or remember it from, you know, reading about it or whatever. Cause I was a huge wrestling fan. So for me, it's been hard to be like, okay, I want to watch the stuff that I already kind of know about, but want more detail from, but then she's like, Oh, do you want to watch another episode? I'm like, ah, it's one of those shows I got to be in a mood for because like, it's not the most like right. uplifting. And this is coming from it's Jason just, Eisner, so, um, who is the, who did right. hobo with a shotgun. Cause he yeah. also directed a doc, yeah, a huge um, wrestling about fan. Jake the snake or produced it. Yeah. 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 He's a huge wrestling guy. So um, it's good. It's on Crave. It's a Crave original. It's uh, co-produced with Vice. Um, so uh, I, I suggest it. And it's not something you have to watch every episode for. You can kind of bounce through and watch like the ones that you're interested in or something that you know, catches your eye. It's not like you have to go in sequential order or anything. So, um, you know, Chris Jericho, um, was featured prominently and you get a lot of non WWE people that get interviewed because obviously 
WWE doesn't let you go anywhere near this if you're con contracted by them. So, um, yeah, man, I'm enjoying that, but yeah, we're jumping through a lot of doc stuff, a lot of, you know, travel shows, a lot of random TV stuff. So, um, to cap off the show, anything you wanted to, yeah, I mean, I've been watching watching a lot. I uh, actually apparently have been watching too much because, uh, friend and, and colleague of the show, uh, Max Coville tweeted me and said, you watch a lot of stuff. And, and I was like, I thought I was (laughs) slacking. Um, since the pandemic started but apparently i haven't i already mentioned the blade uh trilogy a film that i just watched this morning that i really really liked um that is now available on blu-ray uh through uh kino lorber they sent me a copy and 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 i finally got to it um is a film called test pattern and it's a movie about a couple in texas um, who are having to sort of go through a horrific ordeal. Um, the relationship feels strained because it's a situation um, dealing with uh, date rape. Um, the uh, girlfriend in, in the relationship um, is drugged and wakes up in someone else's bed. And then the next day uh, comes home and uh, the couple go from hospital to hospital looking for a rape kit Um, and how this is also very critical of uh, hospitals and and medical staff in Texas and Austin specifically not having the proper uh, equipment and having to go from place to place to find it so far to, you know, like hours, uh, driving away from one place to another, um, to, to get there. And then ultimately feeling that frustration and anger, uh, sort of simmering and, and sort of looking at the relationship in the guise of a couple of days. Um, Shatara Michelle Ford, uh, is the writer and director. Uh, this is their, um, feature debut. They also worked with, um, James Gray uh, as an assistant on uh, The Lost City of Zed. There is a special feature that is available also online um, of a conversation between the two um, about the film. It's it's fine. Like it's it, there's not much there, but the movie itself is really well done, and um, it's a tough watch, but it's um, very much kind of borrowing from sort of thriller elements as well. Like it does have a, a, a tinge of sort of genre adjacent sort of thrills that isn't completely um sort of morose or sort of hard like it is it's hard to watch but like there is something there that kind of makes it a little bit more sort of like thrilling that's not just like oh this is going to be a heavy watch it is but it's enough there to get you enticed by the characters and storyline um it's yeah it's really well done um i rewatched the the apu trilogy uh, the Criterion release from a couple of years ago uh, that looks amazing. It almost didn't come to be because the original film prints uh, that were uh, in a factory in London were burnt down to the ground. And a lot of the uh, the nitrate prints uh, were almost none of them could be be scanned properly but they were able to sort of salvage what they could uh it is one of the best coming of age movies i think i've ever seen especially the first film uh pather uh pajante which is um in english is uh song of the little road um 
fantastic. Like it is truly one of the best trilogies and stories of, of coming of age. Like you can tell that everybody from, you know, Richard Linklater to um, any, anyone that's kind of been inspired to tell a, a version of their childhood growing up has taken note from this. And like, it's right up there with the 400 blows in terms of sort of recalling, moments of your life and sort of looking at the Roy family and specifically Apu and sort of him growing up and, and, and not wanting to be his father, but also sort of pursuing an interest in writing and sort of going his own way in life and the struggles of that, what that means financially and responsibilities. And, and it's so, lived in and honest and beautifully composed. And that first film is so incredible to watch. Uh, Sajara uh, Rai is, you know, one of those filmmakers that, you know, he, he didn't make a lot of movies, but his filmography is, you know, you look at the Apu trilogy, you look at the music room and you just realize that like, okay, this guy was somebody that, really didn't get his due when he was making films. I mean, he, he was given the, uh, an honorary Oscar on his deathbed in, in 92. But um, yeah, I, I would highly recommend this to to anybody that's interested in not only the art of filmmaking, but also in sort of telling a very personal story. That's also extremely universal. Yeah. Love it, man. Nice. Uh, I watched a lot of stuff. Uh, I watched Mm -hmm. the Boogans for the first time, which I thought I saw (laughs) as a kid, but I actually got that mistaken with Night of the the Lepus, which I also rewatched this weekend. Um, So the Boogans is basically a group of people are terrorized by these monsters that look like mutant turtles, not to be confused with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Really boring. um, Not that scary. Uh, a lot of padding for that film, Night of the Lepus, uh, which I remember kind of enjoying as a kid because it's ridiculous. So I don't know if you've ever seen or, or, or heard about Night of the Lepus. It's about a, a group of people being terrorized by oversized rabbits. And it literally is just giant bunny rabbits okay. <laughs> on like miniature sets running around. And the terror is so adorable that it you, you never you never buy into it to begin with, but it's almost comical okay. when you see like this giant rabbit like hopping around on set, like, you know, obviously being guided Love by it. like, you know, a treat or something like that. Uh but it does have Janet Lee right, and DeForest right, right. Kelly um post psycho in Star Trek. Um, and, and it just, it, it's interesting in that it, it feels like a movie that probably should have been made in like the 1930s or early 1940s, like in the same way that like when, you know, tarantula was made, they used like a tarantula, like an actual tarantula to walk on a miniature set. This is the same thing, but with bunny rabbits and the bunny rabbits are supposed to be terrifying and they're not <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, <Okay>. so <laughs> yeah, I, I rewatched that. Uh, the Boogans is not very good. Um, I rewatched, um, armored because of um wrath of man which was kind of fun nimrod antel is one of those guys that's like he's always so close to making movies that i like the premises for his films are always interesting or at least kind of like sort of what you would expect from like fun genre movies whether it be you know vacancy or his uh predators sort of reboot um and and this but they never really kind of make make it past almost kind of like 
Friday night fright flick or Friday night kind of disposable movie that you kind of watch and completely forget about afterwards. Like I think vacancy is probably yeah. the best of his films. There was English language movies because control was kind of like his first kind of big kind of Hungarian film. Um, yeah, he's great name, but a filmmaker that's just kind of like on the cusp always of making something interesting. Um, he's got a Liam Neeson movie that he's working on next, so I'm sure that'll be a typical revenge film. Yep. Cool, man. I think that was going to wrap up this episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Eric, I just sent you a dope Cobra Kai original soundtrack 3LP from Mondo that comes with a cassette. It looks Looking fucking it awesome. Uh, it looks real, real nice. Um Shout out to Andres uh, that sent it to me on Twitter. Um, yeah, man. So uh, this wraps this episode, uh, the 91st draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. If you guys like this, uh, thank you. Uh, please go subscribe to our other podcasts. Uh, I don't know why. we. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I think we do some great stuff here. But um, please go subscribe to uh, Untitled Movie Reviews on your podcast service of choice. That's our go-to spot for um all of our bite size movie reviews um like this week we got a a busy week coming up we have reviews for hopefully profile and oxygen um, and oxygen as well as um uh those who uh, army of not that's army of the week. dead that's in a, those next week who want me dead uh, wish me dead wish me dead sorry different uh, dead yeah yeah different, different dead, dead same movie. day uh or different day um and then we also have a review for the woman in the window yes thank you eric so you can find our schedule and you know everything untitled over at untitled podcasts on letterboxd uh untitled underscore cast on all of those social medias uh drop us a review if you would be so kind uh both on this show and on untitled movie reviews um but yeah that letterboxd um if you've gotten this far you probably really really love you will love letterboxd if you're not on there if you are on there Untitled podcast on Letterboxd will be our hub for, you know, all of our content. You'll get new episodes, lists, uh, schedules, ratings, all that kind of stuff. So head over to Letterboxd. Uh, I'm at Matt Rohrbeck on all social medias, uh, including Letterboxd. Uh, and you can find my work around the internet um, at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And I'm Eric Marching. You can find more of my video reviews at RogersTV.com slash CinemaScene. I have an interview with Ben Wheatley coming up this week for In the Earth, which will be available on premium VOD starting this Friday. Uh, you can go back onto our Untitled Movie Review Sundance episodes and listen to our initial thoughts on that one as well. Um, also on uh, RogersTV.com slash CinemaScene right now is my latest um, – episode of the show that has the movie podcast daniel batista on uh talking about the summer movie season or what that might look like in ontario um as well as my interview with invincible creator robert kirkman which matt rohrbeck himself was so kind to help put those questions together and make me sound like an intelligent person. Uh, So thank you so much, Matt on that. And I'm also on the social medias at EM six, two, one, one. Until next time.